Another edition of the Behind the You podcast. We are full swing in football season and chaos. David Hale of ESPN. How are you, my friend? I'm well. It looks like you have a bunch of like carpet samples behind you. I do. Wood. They're actually wood samples. And oh, okay. uh, yeah, so this is the new backdrop. And my full time job has me work for Don Bailey Jr., who's the color analyst. Uh-huh. UM along and Joe Gacki's play-by-play, but his full-time job is the family business, which is Don Bailey Flooring. Oh. So I'm here at the office. Well, this and all I checks th- out then. Yeah. And I, I, you know what I did? I gave you a nice setup for a, for promoting. For oh. It was like a segue into a promotion. A hundred percent. And, and I ju- this is the first time, honestly, and I've done it many times from the office, sometimes from the house. This is the first time I've done it this way. And I just texted him and said, hey, buds, what's the key to sales? Always be closing. So (laughs) here we go. So let's just go in the big macro as someone who covers this sport on the day to day. And it's probably I'm sure has been deep into who knows even what's happened. If something's happened in the last half hour, then I apologize. But what's next? Like, where's this end up? We know what's happened. Where does it end up? (sighs) You know, we've been through these rounds of I mean, the last three summers, right? We've gone through this. And most of the time I felt like I've had a pretty good handle on what direction things were going in and at least roughly what speed they were going. This has been different. I think that the way that things went with the PAC 12, I mean, it clearly caught a lot of PAC 12 schools by surprise, but I think it caught a lot of people across the country by surprise. Uh, And I know that's true of the ACC in particular. I had one AD tell me that he is, he finds it mind boggling that all of this has happened because Colorado, one of the worst programs in the country, went back to a league that it had already been in. Like, that was the first domino to fall, and and all of this has happened. I would wager, if I had to bet, I would not bet a ton, but I might bet a little. I don't think at at this specific, what are we, you know, stick something on Thursday. Time stamp it. uh, I don't think that the ACC is going to end up following through, but it's, it's close. I, if you had asked me this time yesterday, I would have said I'd probably lean that it's going to happen. The two remaining Pac-12 schools, Oregon State and Washington State, are in this holding pattern waiting to find out what their other two are doing. The Mountain West might be welcoming somebody. We'll see what happens there. But even that, I don't think it's the end of this. You know, there'll be more next year. The rumblings out of Florida State are not nothing. I I've said from the beginning, I think the timing is all wrong for that right now, but it's, you know, the writing is on the wall for Florida State and Clemson and perhaps others, including Miami, that view themselves as programs that want to play for national championships when your competition for that high of a prestige goal is making twice as much money as you. I mean, that's just that's the bottom line. It's a messed up situation, and it's a situation that didn't happen overnight. We've been working towards this for a long time, and so you can follow the trend lines. And as one uh, relatively influential person in the ACC said to me, it's pretty crazy that we're doing all of this across the country, all of this realignment for years now, everybody doing this and, and that to try to get into a better place, a better conference for more money. And the odds are what most of us think is that in five to six years, the whole sport's going to get thrown up in the air again. And maybe football breaks off and it's its own thing, or maybe we're paying players, who knows? Like, it's a whole lot of bluster and noise and heartache and money, and the lawyers are getting paid as they always do. And at the end of the day, whenever we reach some sort of equilibrium, it's just a matter of time before it gets shaken up again. 
Yeah, I would imagine the end goal is that the Premier League example, the NFL, what, right? Like it's just going to become some mega league, right? Of And all the teams that should or have merited to be there will be there. And the teams that aren't won't. And we'll just sort of siphon them off. I, ultimately, I believe at some point that five to six year window or whatever is next. The only thing that has me um, asterisk by that is like, what is the incentive for the teams in the SEC and Big Ten that are already there to bring the other teams up to their level? That's the only thing I haven't no, been able to I, sort of I, thread. I think there's there's two sides to that point. One is the question of what is their incentive to keep bringing along the teams that are not up to their level at that right. level? That's true. Uh, which I think is a genuine question moving forward. And then and the other question is like, I think, again, this, is, this was a big story this past week that I think was probably made into a bigger thing in the short term than it actually is, but is very indicative of what might be a larger long-term thing which is Florida State's partnership with J.P. Morgan. And I think when you bring private equity into college sports, I see absolutely every reason why anyone hearing that, just reading the headline, just gets queasy in their stomach because, yeah, it's probably not going to end great for a lot of people. But again, you follow the trend lines of where things are going. And my guess is, are we going to get live golf of college sports? I, I don't know that it'll be quite that you know, black and white, good and bad. But I think we're likely to, at some point, see somebody, whether it's TV networks or private equity or some combination thereof that comes in and says, we got, we're bigger than the SEC. We're bigger than the Big Ten. We've got real money. We don't need Vanderbilt. We don't need Illinois. We don't need Northwestern. We don't need Mississippi State. We're going to take all the teams that are the best, bring them up here. And honestly, at the end of the day, I don't know if that's the worst thing in the world because let the teams who are playing at that level or want to play at that level duke it out. I'd rather see more Georgia versus Ohio State than Georgia versus Middle Tennessee. And I think, you know, it can allow the teams that are maybe not as interested in investing in paying players that want to be more of traditional what we had known for so long as college football to play college football again and let conferences go back to having regional rivalries and let gymnastics and baseball and basketball and crew and track and field and all those things go back to being what they were so good at being for so long. But to your larger point, there's going to be some people who are going to feel that in the checkbook, and that's going to be real unpleasant. So I have a – it's a slightly comedic, slightly offhand, and slightly serious, and I haven't thought it all the way through, but it, it sounds enticing enough that that power broker of that could align all these forces. My thought is it could be the NFL. And look, I mean, that is not a necessarily incorrect idea. The NFL has – gotten away by having a free feeder system for a long time. But um, I think they're the one that could actually go and unify and say, can, we could then right. bring enough money into the pie and then think of all the marketing. And have a lot more hands-on control over 100%. everything that's going on. And that, look, again, I think anybody who says they know exactly what this is going to look like in oh, yeah, five or 10 years is that. crazy. But I think the one constant is that almost nobody thinks it's going to look like it does today. Yep. And then Notre Dame will just still be on NBC. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yep. When you think of great football and baseball, you think about the you. When you get hurt in a car, truck, or motorcycle wreck, you need to think Lebovic Law Group. At Lebovic Law Group, you come first. We work to get you all the money you are entitled to. Injured? You need to call or click Lebovic. Lebovic Law Group, the exclusive sponsor of the Miami Hurricanes and proud sponsor of all things you. Go you! 
All right, we got that out of the way. I have to say, yeah, I went to practice the other day, and I don't think I've been doing this a long time, David. I think I was never more excited to go watch football than like Sunday because it got me out <laughs> right? of this, right? It got me yeah. back to like why we even got into doing this. Let's throw some stuff your way that'll, that'll bring you some some compliments and some smiles on this podcast, which is you did a little. I don't know if it was all the positions or you know, kind of rarefied itself down here was your your kind of position use, and Miami made it as tight end you so. Was that easy or difficult to list them at the top? You know, they say um, you hire a commissioner to be the fall guy for all like the bad decisions that everybody else is making. I'm just the commissioner of this position you project. Our stats and information group runs the data that comes up with it. This, I don't get to make the final decisions. I just am the figurehead that is either complimented or more often criticized. But I did have something to do with how we put the formula together. So what we do is we basically looked at like, who's the best of the best at creating college talent. So we looked at stuff like all conference and all America selections. And then we look at who best prepares people for the draft. So we looked at when you're drafted and how many players are drafted. And then we looked at what you do once you get in the league, not for your entire career. So you, you know, Michigan doesn't get 74 years of Tom Brady, but with the first five years in the league of any player, their school gets credit for that. But anyway, long story short, uh, yes, Miami is tied into you and it ain't closed. And, you know, so I go through and I'm trying to like put a narrative to the data. I don't know how many Miami folks were probably already aware of this, but it boggled my mind. We went, uh, the data set we use is the BCS era to now. So 98 to today, that's 25 years span. In every year of that 25 year span, Miami has had a tight end on its roster that eventually got drafted in the NFL. Uh, and a lot of them are real damn good, too. So, yeah, it ain't close. Miami is tight end. You, they're in the mix in the top 10 in a number of other positions. And I think if you want to buy uh, Mario's sales pitch, which he is a real darn good salesman, their goal is to get to a point where they're moving back up those rankings. It's been a little while, but still a lot of talent. Uh, tailback's another one where – it hasn't necessarily always been like the best of the best, like it was back in the day when you've got like three future NFL starters on your depth chart, but they've been churning out running backs, putting them in the draft pretty regularly. And maybe that's a little bit of some of the frustration that Miami fans have had is that like, Hey, like these guys are good enough to play at the next level. Like we got to get more out of them while they're here. But you, you're, you're, you're doing pretty good at this, like segue and set up and tease and promotion. You, you, Don Bailey is probably going to be sending you a check or something. I don't know, a little, <laughs> I'll take some, it. some kind of marketing fee. And then you just mentioned Mario's name. So last we met back in Miami, year one, Mario Cristobal. You, yeah, very delightful. You spent some time with around, I think it was with coach and Tyler Van Dyke. And so it, did you spend time with that? Were you at me? Were you at ACC media yeah. days? I'm sure you were. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting to talk to Tyler and, and Mario again. That's what I was going to ask. A year like, later. Can, give me the comparison. Mario, again, is a great salesman. And so I always you sort of have to take like, and right, I see what you're saying. I wish you had sold me on this last year, but okay. But look, he was, I think, pretty blunt about some of the mistakes that were made last year. I think he was incredibly blunt. Uh, about what he thought he inherited from the previous regime, whether you think that's fair or not. He was very upfront about it. I think was very blunt in saying that, like, it's a little bit of a put, put up or shut up time. And I, I, I didn't walk away from talking to Mario this time saying, like, this is the year it all gets put together. I don't think that's a fair uh, expectation. And I don't think that's what he's trying to sell. But I think he is firmly of the belief 
that when this year ends, you will not have to squint to see the vision that he has for this program. It will be bluntly obvious. It's not him painting a picture for you that you can't actually see. It'll be there on the field. It might not be all the blanks filled in yet, all the colors fully brought out, but I think you'll be able to see the picture. That's the goal this year. Um, and I, I got the sense talking to Tyler that um, he probably wouldn't still be here if that wasn't the case, if he didn't fully believe that that was going to be the case too. And I, I, I didn't hear a lot of throwing coaches under the bus from last year, but I did hear a lot of like, it just wasn't the right fit. We didn't all get meshed together. Things didn't click the way we had hoped. And look, that's the risk you run when you're putting together a staff on the fly at that time of year. And I think, you know, there's other, plenty of other examples. I know Dave Aranda at, at Baylor had a very similar thing where he came in, hired a staff, didn't work out. He kind of cleaned house after the first year. And then they went and won, what, 11 games the next year. I will say this. I, I, I've said this. Mario deserves some credit. You know, he identified it that it wasn't working and he brought in two guys that to me are, are that I've had a chance to talk to on this podcast. So they're different. The two guys that were kind of that that changed. And I give him credit for just taking a step back and saying, you know, hey, something needs to I got to change this and tweak this a little bit for the betterment of the program. You know, part of that is you don't know the personality of your team. You don't quite know what you're walking into. I mean, you can watch film and gauge, like, maybe guys do this well or not. But even that, like, you have no time to comprehend all of that and then figure out how it matches up with the coaching staff and their personalities when you come in as, you know, when you first get hired. Like, it's just you're hoping to fill out a staff of competent human beings, and then you really just cross your fingers that it's all going to mesh and work well with the players that you inherited. He's turned over the roster a good bit to make it more of, I think, of what he wants personality-wise. And he's turned over the coaching staff to get people who fit that vision that he has and fit the personality of the guys that are on the team right now. And that's, again, I, look, Josh Gaddis had a real damn good year at Michigan the year oh, before yeah. that. It fit with, with what Michigan wanted to do and the talent and players that he had there. It was not a fit with what they did at all. I mean, I, I talked to Tyler Van Dyke about this, that two years ago he might have been the best deep ball thrower in college football when he comes in and has this great, you know, season with Brett Lashley and, and Manny Diaz, and then they barely threw the ball deep. A little bit of that is who you have at receiver, but a lot of it was just scheme and play call. It didn't match what Tyler's skill set was. Um, and I think you got to figure out, it, it used to be in football across the board, college, pro, whatever, that coaches did what coaches do and the players better learn how to do it. That's just not the way the world works anymore. And I think when you have coaches, and I think this is true of the guys that Mario has brought in that are willing to be flexible and tweak their scheme and their approach to maximize the talent that you have on your roster. I think that is how it has to be done now. So it's not really what you know, it's what your players can do. So you got to go back to those people at stats and information back. Like, Look, dude, I'm the commission on this thing, but like <laughs> we got to tweak how we're doing this. So I can stop getting crap on these tight end use and position. <laughs> no, I will get crap no matter what I do. Yes. Yes, you will. And I have the documentation here on your crap, David Hale. <laughs> Actually, I, I want to revisit something real quick, which is relative to the sort of the macro transitioning of the sport and uh, all the realignment and, movement and, and where people are and ending up and etc you mentioned how yeah obviously FSU was extremely vocal and obviously conversations about teams leaving or adding get adding and getting bigger but I would also I would throw this out there and get, I would love to hear your response on this which would be if you're someone like Miami or Florida State that's trying to catch Clemson and then jump into that echelon of of the higher end of college football that at least for now you're in a conference that if you are committed the way Mario is it made it's 
that's the path of least resistance. And you can yeah. set yourself up for the future by having a clearer path. Like, do you want to be Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC? Or do you want to be Miami or Florida State in the ACC for the short term end goal? Look at where the recent history of realignment, how that has worked out for a lot of those teams. I mean, not great for the most part. And, uh, you know, again, Colorado is going back to where it started. I, that was a whole lot of nothing, right, David? I mean, Colorado in the Big 12 yeah. or Colorado in the Pac-12, like, really, right. like, that but that the, moves the, the that moves the needle, like, that much. But, the, you know, and it's funny. I think, look, it, it is Pollyanna-ish to suggest that dollars and cents are not of, no, of ultimately course. what moves the needle. But I don't think Jim Phillips is entirely wrong when at ATC kickoff he said, are we trying to chase dollars or are we trying to chase success? Because sometimes those things overlap a lot on the Venn diagram, but sometimes not so much. And so I have tried to point out that, you know, where you're at in the ACC right now, and I've had ADs tell me this, there is a dollar figure equivalent that you could come up with, some formula that says there is value in being here and having that easier path, perhaps, to a college football playoff. There is undoubtedly value that the ACC's relationship with the ESPN has in which you get more eyeballs on you. You're getting TV slots on ABC and ESPN and in good television windows where more people are seeing you, that has value. It doesn't show up necessarily on a balance sheet as a one-to-one -one equation, but those things are real. And again, I mean, Nebraska is a great example of a program that moved at the wrong time. And when it got there, scuffled some, then made a bad, made some mistakes and then fell off the map completely. And it's very easy for that to, I mean, look, I think Florida State's gonna be real good this year. But they're in a precarious spot. It's not like they've got this huge foundation under them right now. They are still rebuilding what they want themselves to be. And so you move to the SEC and get your butt whooped for a couple of years. Does that help things any? I don't think so. You might be making a whole heck of a lot of money doing it. But, you know, Vanderbilt's cashing big checks. I don't mean they're winning any football games. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. And plus, I think for wherever this is going, as, as you uh, notedly pointed out, no one really knows. But – if you're strategic about this, right, you can position yourself by winning to be in the best possible spot to have leverage whenever the and, next conversation occurs. And quite frankly, I think there's a lot of truth to the uh, idea that timing is everything and it has not been on the ACC side for a long time. I mean, you look at when the last run of realignment happened, the ACC was really at its nadir. I mean, they, Clemson wasn't great yet. Florida State wasn't, you know, was just starting the Jimbo Fisher era. Miami was down like it was, you know, the end of the Virginia Tech sort of run. I mean, it, it was a bad time for the ACC. And I mean, I think it's not been great that when this TV deal was signed that you know, Clemson was good, but Florida State was on the tail end of, of what had been good. And Miami was still not playing well. And Virginia Tech was way down. And, you know, it's the, the league needs its stars to be stars. And that hadn't been happening at the right time. And Jim Phillips has said this too, like, hold the line for a little while we've got an opportunity to do a lot even this year to change narratives and the tv marketplace the media marketplace at large is shifting a lot too so you know what's true today is not necessarily going to be true a year from now and i think that makes all of this even more challenging than just the base level conversations about money that we're having and i think the 12 team playoff might come in a good time for the acc right and that's you know, exactly you're a one, true. one loss acc team or an undefeated team you're in and that just raises the bar I think it's 100% right. I will be very interested to see how Big Ten and SEC leadership, particularly Mr. Sankey, want to approach 
this uh, plan for 12-team playoff now that one of those Power Five leagues effectively doesn't exist anymore and their leagues are looking more bloated and probably would like a few more spots available to get in, I think that's a whole other conversation that we're having now. But you start to get an idea of just how complex all of this is. Change the trajectory of your career or find your new passion. Both are possible at the University of Miami's Division of Continuing and International Education. The division offers over 50 courses with online and hybrid options for on-the-go professionals and busy parents. Visit miami.edu slash DCIE to learn more or call our enrollment advisors at 305-284-4000 to discover which course is right for you. Let's get back to the football field. I don't know, were you recently at Clemson with Bear Carter or you was that like via phone? And the only reason I ask is him and then just sort of the, in the bigger picture them because not so many people are talking about Clemson, right? Because FSU's, you know, it's all been about realignment and they're just sort of, they've been the powerhouse of the program, but no, their name is really just not in the headlines other than if it's, hey, they, they, they should be, you know, uh, realigned somewhere. First of all, I think the Florida State hype is deserved. I mean, I, I've talked to plenty of coaches who have uh, watched the film on both of them, played both of them, and I've not had anybody to say that was an overrated, fluky season last year for Florida State. Like, they're, they're good, and they want the hype. And I think that's also a, a, an interesting dynamic to what Mike Norvell is, is putting together for this year. He's not trying to downplay any of it. He said, yeah, bring the heat, put the target on us. We want it. Dabo has always been the worthy underdog little old Clemson. I mean, they're coming off national champions and he's still talking a little old Clemson. Uh, he likes that underdog role. He likes the chip on his shoulder. He's real good at selling it to his team in ways that boggle the mind. Um, so I think it suits both of them that this has sort of been how the narrative has been entering this season. And, you know, it's fun. Clemson won the league last year and beat Florida State last year. And you wouldn't necessarily think that from the way it's talked about. It's just hard to know exactly how many of the, I think, very clear issues that Clemson had, particularly on offense, have been solved by having a different quarterback this year in Cade Klubnik, who we saw a little bit, and it was a very up-and-down performance last year, and having a new coordinator in Garrett Riley, who was great at TCU, but it was one year at TCU. And, I, you know, how does that translate to what they do and the talent that he inherited at Clemson? I mean, again, I think Garrett Riley will be great. You know, the last name suggests he does quarterbacks, but you don't know. You don't know until he does it. And they're they're probably thinner on defense than they've been in a while. That doesn't mean that they, I mean, they've been recruiting really well. So there's there's talent depth there, but there's not a lot of experience depth there. I see the margin for error, and I look and I look at both depth charts, and I can say I, I probably have more questions about Clemson than I do about Florida State. And if you switch jerseys, I'd feel great about taking Florida State. But I've seen Clemson play football for a while, and they, it's been a long time since they haven't won 10 games. And other than 2021, they've won this league every year since 2015. Like, there's a lot of history that suggests Clemson's going to be or should deservedly be the favorite to do it again. Join us at Gulfstream Park this spring with live action Thursday through Sunday. Enjoy entertainment outdoors at the Carousel Club or feast in Ten Palms. Not hungry? Visit our many on-site shopping locations from fashion stores to home furnishings. For schedules, reservations, and tickets, visit GulfstreamPark.com. 
Hey, what's our take on North Carolina? I'm clearly the quarterback. Easy, simple, whatever. But are you buying or selling? Are we shorting that stock or are we uh, investing? Uh, you know, I, I went through and did like position by position rankings for the ACC over the uh, summer. Did the nerds in the back yeah, like, do no, some I, metrics? I did these myself. So the math is so wrong on most right. of it. So absolutely. Um, so this is blatantly brutal. Uh, so, <laughs> I, but in doing this, like, I, you know, you, you just, part of it is my own research in the off season, try to get ready for the season. And so I'm trying to like learn about who moved here and who did there and whatever you find some stuff you weren't maybe expecting. And I found a handful of things. One of the things that I came away, I always say this time of year that the three positions that matter the most to me in identifying maybe who's going to be good or not is quarterback O-line and D-line. And I go through this and looked at Miami and was like, maybe Miami's going to be a good bit better than I think because they really upgraded on the line of scrimmage. And I still really like Tyler Van Dyke. So, eh, maybe. so you know, and there, there's a few other positions that, that were like that. But one of the biggest things that I came away with was looking at North Carolina last year, aside from Drake May and their receiving core and said Gray and line, their linebackers, that team was atrocious everywhere else. <laughs> like, not just bad, atrocious. Like that secondary was abysmal. The offensive line did nothing. The running game offered nothing. They got zero pass rush last year. They couldn't stop the run. It was awful. They played for an ACC championship. That's how good Drake May was last year, is he just brings the whole ship up. So I've said, like, I don't know that they've got to be a lot better. If they're not awful, if they're average or even a little bit worse, I think they could easily get back to the ACC championship game. But I just, you know, look, I've, I've talked to Gene Chizik a few times about that defense. I keep going into these conversations with him, expecting him to be like, Everybody else is in the summer, like, oh, we got huge in the weight room. Everybody's buying into new things. Everyone all together. It's going to be great. That's not how the conversations have been. You know, it's not like he's throwing guys under the bus, but I just get this real, I don't know, sort of cautious optimism might be the nicest possible way of saying it. So I don't know. I'm kind of a seller on North Carolina. That was a very long way of saying I think I'm a seller. All right. So outside AM, Clemson, Florida State, light up Miami schedule, who would be your next? So if it could be Carolina or someone else, who is in that fourth spot of like, this will be a tough game for Miami? So this is the first year of the new schedule. So there's North Carolina. By the way, North I can't be more excited about Miami versus Miami. This is the game of the year, in my opinion. No you, game has ever meant more to me personally than seeing Miami play Miami. Well, I'm going to put that to the test, buddy. Are you coming in for the game? I think I am, actually. Oh, oh so, there it is. There yeah. it is. That it is important yeah. to you. It is yeah. important to yeah. you. North Carolina, North Carolina State, Virginia, Georgia Tech, BC, and Louisville, I think, is their schedule on the ACC. Yeah. I might be missing somebody. I, there's a bunch of folks who like Louisville a lot. I'm explain? a little more on the fence. I mean, they won eight games last year. People love Jeff Brom. I actually think Jack Plummer's a real good fit at quarterback there. They look like they've done well in the portal. But I always say, like, what does it look like you've done well in the portal mean? We don't know how these guys are going to match together. We don't know how they're going to play in that offensive scheme. Many of these guys are coming from lower-level schools, which I don't think is necessarily negative. I think if you look at the recent history of the portal, some of the best success stories are the guys who've moved up a level. But I just think it could go – Louisville could go either way to me, I guess is what is what I would say. <laughs> I was down on Boston College, and then I sat with Jeff Halfley and Emmett Moorhead and Christian Mahogany and, like, the – genuine like about ready to jump out of their chairs so excited for the season feeling uh that they had i started thinking like maybe am i missing something on bc are they gonna be better the offensive line has to be better i still just can't wrap my head around them being like the real contender 
So the one that jumps out to me is probably NC State because, uh, A, nobody's picking them this year, and that's their wheelhouse. Like, don't pick NC State because when they have attention, they don't do well. But when they don't have attention, ooh, they're nasty. And, look, you want to know who the best defense in the ACC was last year? Because it wasn't Clemson. It was NC State, man. Those guys were really good, and a lot of them are back. Uh, and then I'm really intrigued by seeing Brennan Armstrong matched with Robert and I again. Because at Virginia a couple of years ago, that was fireworks. And then both of them went their separate ways. And I love Brandon Armstrong. I, I, I couldn't even imagine that it would look like that last year. Agreed. I mean, a, a lot of this, I mean, it's funny because you can talk about him. I think Phil Jerkovic at Boston College was a similar situation where, like, I know the talent's there, but, like, awful situation that he's in. I mean, Tyler uh, Van Dyke is another good, like, I know he's better than what he looked like last year. Armstrong was probably the worst of the examples because he was just, it was so night and day. But I think there's, you look around the quarterbacks in this league and I've seen a lot of them win big before and play big. Not all of them are coming off great years, but there's a lot of upside there. All right, Mr. Hale, a couple of things before we close. You hang with my pal, Andrea Adelson, quite a bit. Any quirks you'd like I, to I share? I get to hang out with her. She's forced to hang out with me, yes. Right. Any quirks you'd like to share for my good friend, Red Zone? All right. So, uh, one, as you're well aware, she's very short. Uh, so it makes everything awkward. I always feel like a big gangly monster, like Frankenstein's monster trying to interview people next to her. Two, she has really bad taste in pie. She doesn't like apple pie. What's her deal with Babers? That's a whole other weird thing. I don't know. He butt dials her because she's in his phone as AA, and it's the first uh, <laughs> name in his phone. And so now they've got some sort of weird uh, butt dialing relationship that I don't want to get into. Um, yeah. Anyway, I probably already said. So that. wait, what's the pot? Give me the pot. So she doesn't like apple pie. She doesn't like apple pie, but her favorite kind of pie is look- coconut cream. Oh, Jesus. Like, what do you, did you go to clown college? Who likes coconut cream that much? That's it's awful. insanity. That's insane. Yeah. And by the way, I, I mean, come on. A la mode. I mean, it's like a whole next level thing. Dutch apple pie where they put like the crust on top of it as uh, well. It's delightful. Who we're going to have like to have it. We're going to have this has come up. Has this come up on your show? This must have come on up a on regular uh, basis. Yes. And in fact, my original idea to have exclusively pie content on the show, that was mixed, but we squeeze it in wherever possible. All right. And then uh, last thing, I'm always intrigued by this. Give me a day in the life of David Hale on a Saturday. Like your day starts and ends how and when, and what are you doing? I do our Saturday wrap-up column for ESPN, which means I need to kind of be keenly aware of what's happening in every single game all day long. So I wake up. I essentially Wait, hook up. ACC. ACC. All of the country. Oh, Jesus. Country. Oh, Jesus. So I hook up an intravenous line of coffee, and uh, you know I go through and I, I figure out uh, some matchups that I like. I start thinking of some good storylines that I might want to write about. I've How many screens? So I've got three on the wall uh, here, and then I'll have my phone and an iPad up at the same time as well. I am probably a master of many games, a uh, jack of many games and a master of none is the way it usually If a kid knocks on the door during this, do they get, do they, you have the code oh, to I, get in? I should have prefaced this. One of those three TVs on the wall will have Bluey or something like that <laughs> on because they will come in and sit on the couch while I'm watching games. 
Make this the day your life changes. The all-new UFIT Gyms has been created to give you exactly what you need to accelerate your fitness results, including state-of-the-art equipment and a new cross-functional turf training area. Enjoy personal training as low as $35 and new small group training classes, including HIT Plus. Take it to the next level with personalized nutrition from Eat Love, along with anywhere, anytime access to UFIT on demand with over 1,000 workouts. Reach your goals faster at the new UFIT Gyms. All right. Our last thing. We're going to do some mean tweets for David Hale. And by the way, honestly, you do. I, I, I do genuinely love the work you do and how you sort of condense and wrap your armors around usually the sport and stats and stuff, as well as all the stuff that's been going on recently. But you do get some shrapnel. Some, um, some folks, some folks get upset. They have some hard feelings occasionally. So we're going to we're going to do this. And then one of them is going to be last. We'll, we'll see how the editors that be decide to handle this for language. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are yeah. you ready? David Hale tweets. Yeah. Andrea, which would be Andrea Adelson, spent time with the AD of Florida State and the president today, not in front of the cameras playing to an audience, but one-on-one real talk. She tells it like it is. And then Spanks uh-huh. Bulla 1129 hits you with uh-huh. ESPN clown crying because his job is in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't argue with the clown part. That is true. But what he seems to not grasp is he calls me an ESPN clown. So clearly he knows I work for ESPN and not the ACC. And yet the conflation there suggesting that if the ACC has a bad day, I've had a bad day. I don't care. In fact, bad days for the ACC are often are more content for me. Um, and I like that. But I am cl- clown show. He's right. That was true. All right. Now they, Can we put in a, like a little after afterwards? Can you put in like a ding? That one's um, correct. That will ask for that to be done. Someone will do that. All yes. Right. Now, this was 22 hours ago, David Hale. It's a picture uh-huh. of Dabo Sweeney in a blazer and like a top hat. Okay? Yeah. And you wrote, Dabo was asked whether he's seen Team Barbie or Oppenheimer. He says he isn't either, but he assumes Oppenheimer. I would counter by noting he once wore this, hence jacket, top hat. And you get pink. From- fully pink. He's wearing a fully, fully pink. pink outfit. Todd Pool 2404, our good friend. Yet another example of the ACC's media partner beat writer attacking one of the two tent pole programs. Now, first of all, I find it personally offensive that he thinks that Wake Forest is not a tent pole program. <laughs> it's just, it's Wake Forest erasure. Are there two, uh, by the way? Are there two? I don't know. Are there even? I don't, uh, yeah. Is there two? What has Florida State done hmm. to be a, a tent pole at this point? Uh, I would also counter that uh, suggesting that a man who was wearing a full pink suit might also have a tire to attend Barbie should he choose to. Barbie, a movie that has made a billion dollars worldwide. On the other hand, I've not actually seen either movie yet either. I had planned to do it this week and realignment screwed over my plans. Yeah, I didn't see the movie, but didn't Barbie say best is standard? That's, <laughs> bring your own uh, guts, pens, guts, yeah. guts. Yeah, Barbie's all Barbie's all in. All right, here we go. I think this is from you. I'm just gonna be a little disappointed if we don't all get to an inevitably bask in the drunken furor of hashtag FSU Twitter when the listless and exhausted Knowles trail Cal nine six at halftime of a game that will end at two forty five in the morning. And from Hospitality Knoll, my name is David and I cover the ACC, but I hate the ACC, especially FSU and Clemson. In other news, I'm not good at my job. Again, I don't disagree with any of that. That's all true. 
Which part? The, all of it. The nine-six halftime. Well, you know, every funny. part of that from start <laughs> to finish is factually accurate. Look, the joke was thought that Florida State's going to lose to Cal. I didn't not note the final score. What I noted is some team is going to ha be having a good season. They're going to go out west after the ACC stupidly expands to California for reasons we can't understand. They're going to be playing in Berkeley in front of eight fans, and they're going to play like crap. And they're going to be losing nine to six at halftime. And their fan base will have been drinking all day because it's now 1230 in the morning on Saturday are going to say some crazy things on Twitter. That is not hard to predict. It's absolutely going to happen. Uh, and then Florida State will come back and they'll win 21-20. Uh, so uh, if that was, you know, if Cal and Stanford, that it was or was going, you know, was or might still happen. The benefit to me was, you know, I have two boys of my own, have a few jobs here as you can tell there's there's some flooring sales going on and some Miami Hurricanes ACC football coverage and I was like what an opportunity to catch up on Netflix like the the binge watching would have been out of control five hours out and five hours back you could actually go to Netflix headquarters out there and watch <laughs> Netflix at Netflix I could actually get the IV right into I could just have it like <laughs> I have like a screen on the inserted yeah. into my uh, cranium all right we are going to end with a bang now David Hill let's revisit mm -hmm. This tweet, David Hale on August 2nd wrote, it's a big day each year. We unveil our revised position you list. And each year I get to be dragged by angry NC State fans over not being quarterback you. Now, I'll, I'll give a history here. They think they should be QBU because, you know, Ryan Finley and Jacoby Brissett and Phillip Rivers and uh, Russell Wilson. Now, we made a decision because, you know, we get to do it. It's our thing that transfers, their NFL stats just go to whatever the last school they played for was. You don't get to uh, spread it out over all this. Bye-bye, Russell. So they didn't get Russell. They got very angry about this. Now, give them Russell. I don't care. Give them Russell. They're nowhere near what USC and Oklahoma have been. That's not – whatever. It's fine. This has been an ongoing battle for a while, so a lot of anger. I look forward to this every year. It's fun for me to have this push and pull with them. But that's not who got angry. Here. No. No, is this, oh, no. Is this is this that Zach Smith? This is that Zach Smith. So Zach Smith replies to NC State fans being mad at David Hale about not being quarterback you by saying, L-M-A-O-O-O, this is wild. Mm -hmm. Emoji, emoji, emoji. Mm -hmm. A at a David Hale joint might be the dumbest in the sports media <laughs> for this one. <laughs> and again, it's probably the smartest thing Zach Smith has ever said. So... And let me, no arguments. He was very blunt. Yeah. <laughs> been a pleasure. You, hey, if you come down for uh, Miami, Miami, Thursday mm -hmm. night. Who are you taking in that game, Miami or Miami? Miami, Miami. I've been on the fence, but I'm going Miami too. If you, well, if you do come in, tell Gorby to set up dinner on Thursday. I like it. All right, bud. Thanks, dude. See ya. Yep.